This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. How do you feel great on vacation? Like, really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. You're listening to the Laughing Couple Podcast with your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Join them weekly as they discuss topics such as relationships, kids, sex, parenting, all unfiltered and all with a healthy dose of laughter. Please welcome your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Here's the funny thing. So my wife here. Are you are you already starting with oh, TikTok? Yeah. My wife. Hold on, hold on. Let us. <laughs> we're start. We're starting we're hot. Also, like, first of all, how are you, Johnny? Because he hasn't had a chance to speak, and you're already about to shit talk me. So let's talk to Johnny first. Johnny, how are you? Well, you guys have already de- you guys have already delivered on your show name because I haven't stopped laughing since we got <laughs> on here talking. So. <laughs> I'm doing really well because I got a smile on my face and I'm enjoying it. So absolutely. This is good. So here's the thing, Johnny. Here we go. My wife says to you, (laughs) my wife says to you, you know, if at the end of the podcast, there's something you don't like, just let us know and we'll delete it. Like, you know, if you shit talk your grandmother or something like that. (laughs) Now, here's the funny thing about that saying. That's what I tell people before the podcast starts. And every single time I tell somebody that, she literally rolls her eyes and like, they get it, Ryan. Okay, hold up. And now here you are talking to Johnny, using my line. Listen, Johnny, let's be real. Like, I want to be very transparent with you. Um, I love my husband, but like... He sometimes forgets that I have these amazing sayings and then he coins them as his own. Not a chip. I am the person who says that every single time. And then he starts saying it. And then it's like when I say a joke and no one hears me and then Ryan will say it louder and then everyone will laugh at him. I'm like, the fuck I said that. It doesn't matter. She's just saying this now, Johnny, because she's been exposed. She's been exposed. So Johnny, welcome welcome to the Laughing Couple podcast where we steal each other's jokes and pretend that it's our own. We talk hella shit. I love it. But can you like, let's hear from you. Like if you were to be like, Hey, who, who are you? Like, what would you say? Like not to put you on the spot, um, but also put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really, it's a, it, like saying it in a succinct way. I, I honestly, I've never been asked that, but you know, I've had so many trials and tribulations. I was in the military at 17 years old and I was kicking in doors and blowing stuff up at 18. Mm-hmm. And then I had to figure out how to transition out of being in the middle East for 10 years how to transition back to a normal life and be like a, a good man in society, right? And not judge people for expectations I had. So, man, that's a great question. But succinctly, I would just say that, I, you know, I'm somebody who's 
who's just had to learn through a lot of missteps and experiences, failed marriage, and then an amazing marriage now. And um, through along the way, I wouldn't have changed any of it because it's made me who I am today and how I show up in this world. I love that. I like how you like briefly just skimmed over the fact that you're special ops. No, you're, like US Army, tours. you're a U.S. Army Ranger with four combat tours. No big deal, guys. No, no biggie. I just happened to kick on doors and blow things up. They literally. Here's my favorite thing about Jack this. Jack Ryan, the TV show on Amazon was based. You're literally on. Jack Ryan, hundred percent. You, that's your you joke. You took my no, no, that's yours. You kidding? That's yours. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Props. One hundred percent. Hashtag. He's expertise. acknowledging. He's acknowledging. You, but. As my my beautiful wife would say, you're Jack Ryan. It's true. Fuck yeah, baby. Okay, so Johnny yeah. has, Johnny has a yeah. podcast. I love that. Yes, Johnny does have a podcast. Yeah. Yes, and um, Johnny, tell us a little bit like a synopsis of your podcast, and then we're going to get into some really awesome questions, and also your um, shit talk about your wife with I love you and you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait for that probably. one. Uh, Here you go. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, honestly, I, I appreciate you opening that up. But The Art of Masculinity is the podcast that I host. And it's it's a space where, you know, when I struggled coming back overseas, I, I lost purpose when I came mm-hmm. back. So it was hard for me to find out who I was as a man. I developed all this confidence in who I was. And then I came back overseas. I had or came back home. I had no purpose. I was a cog in the wheel. I was drinking way too much. Uh, I was having a toxic marriage at the time, which ended in a divorce. And I was like, dude, who the fuck are you right now? I had mm-hmm. to look at myself in the mirror and be like, bro, like this is not the guy that was living the last 10 years fighting for our flag, protecting a U.S. ambassador, fighting next to his brothers, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I really struggled with that. And I was like, okay, well, um, how can I get out of this? So at the time, I had a really good friend who is now my gorgeous wife. And she was telling me, Hey, you need to read this book or you need to listen to this podcast. And I had this huge chip on my shoulder. I was like, dude, I've been overseas since I was 18 years old. I was there right. for almost a decade. You're going to tell me I'm going to listen to somebody about how to be a good man. Get the, like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I picked up one of the books one day and it was excuses be gone by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And the way that he re- writes his books, it was like a slap in the face. And I was like, Oh, dude, you've just been making up excuses of why you don't want to listen to people. And I was like, damn. So then I had this, I started listening and I started taking notes and I started doing research. And I was like, man, if, if I'm having this hard of a time listening to people who are trying to give me good information, how many of my other brothers are struggling with this? How many other men Mm -hmm. are struggling with this right now? And, you know, Ryan, you can attest to this because most of us men have it, um, is that we have to respect another guy's background before we're going to listen to them. Most guys I talk to, that's like, that's the only time they'll give you the light of day and listen to you. And so what I said was, okay, if I'm going to make a podcast, I can use my background that most men can respect. And at least they'll give me five, 10 minutes and hopefully give me a tool that changes their life, changes mm-hmm. their marriage, changes their, the way they are interact with their kids, their families. So, uh, the art of masculinity was based around that to try to give guys a leg up in creating the life that they truly want and not living a life based on society's expectations. That's really what the podcast is about. I love that. I'm going to let Ryan like get into this, but I just want to say, when we send out like um like a essentially like an onboarding package to our guests, you said something. I was like, oh my god, this is such a good quote. You said, um, it says it helps men find their authentic self 
by breaking many of societal expectations and prescriptions given to us, not written by us. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that was deep. That was so deep. <laughs> that was like, Wayne Dyer deep. We were honest. on the couch. Really Our solid. kids were like <laughs> fucking batshit crazy screaming around us. And I was like, oh my God. I looked at Ryan. I was like, oh my God, like, did you read this? And he was like, I did. And I was like, that is good. I oh, like thank you. Anyway, I'll let you yeah, go. Every once in a while, my, my one brain cell knocks around and something good comes out of it. So, Absolutely, man. Yeah, I think, I think the powerful thing in that is, um, you know, you talk about not written by us. Very, very seldom do you find individuals who live the lives that they choose to live. Um, and I think as a man, and this is what we're going to get into with the masculinity conversation, the, the pressures that exist are so far removed from what's real in this world. We're, we're living a world a hundred years ago, what it means, this is what it means to be a man from a hundred years ago. Well, society has moved really, really quickly. And that mold that we talk about, about being a man, it just doesn't exist anymore. I look at like when you, when you talk about most cultures and they build up men uh, around the world, a lot of them still have rites of passage. Well, in Western culture, we don't have that. Our rites of passage are either one of two things, pretty much gangs or military. And neither of them are incredibly great at building a good human Mm -hmm. for society, right? Or a good man for society. But empathy was definitely not something that I, you know, got from the military and then carried. I had to learn. I'm still learning that now. There's sometimes I want to be like, like my wife will say something or do something. And it really like something's like affecting her in life. And I'm like, why does I want to be like, why does that bother you? Now, Mm. now Ryan knows, don't say that (laughs) because that's not going to end very well. Uh, But that and calm down. (laughs) Never say calm down. Have you ever had an embarrassing B.O. moment? I sure have. Like the time I thought the teenage boy beside me at the grocery store stunk only to get in my car and realize it was me. (laughs) Embarrassing. But we've got the solution. Lumi whole body deodorant. Say goodbye to B.O. worries forever. Unlike some other deodorants, Lumi is powered by mandelic acid, a game changer for 72 hour odor control everywhere. It was inspired by patients' concerns about private part odor. Six years on and with over 300,000 five-star reviews, Lumi keeps us confident from head to toe. Plus, it's seriously safe anywhere on your body. Pits, thigh folds, belly buttons. Don't forget under boobs and vulvas. Yes, this is true. Plus butt cracks and feet. Created by an OBGYN, Lumi is clinically proven to block odor for up to 72 hours. Baking soda free, paraben free, and with fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. And for new customers, the Lumi Starter Pack has you covered with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, and free shipping. Don't miss out. As our special offer, you get $5 off Lumi Starter Packs with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. That's right. Over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code TLC. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Control your body odor anywhere with Lumi. I love starting my day off with a breakfast that makes me feel good. This also involves waking up before my kids to have those quiet moments of peace before the chaos. Absolutely. And Magic Spoon is perfect for that. No artificial ingredients, natural flavors, and zero artificial coloring. Plus, it's great for various lifestyles, whether you're gluten-free, soy-free, or just want to add some more protein. And the variety pack is amazing with flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. So nostalgic. My favorite has to be frosted. It's like a 
guilt-free treat with zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of net carbs per serving. Wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes. It's a game changer. So if you're looking for a tasty breakfast, quick snack, or an easy meal, Magic Spoon's got you covered. Head to magicspoon.com slash TLC and don't forget to use the code TLC at checkout to save $5 off your order. And here's the best part. If you don't love it, Magic Spoon has a 100% happiness guarantee. They'll refund you your money, no questions asked. Try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash TLC. Use code TLC to save $5. A big thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that supporting your health can be as easy as taking two capsules a day? Each daily dose of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is formulated with 24 scientifically studied probiotic strains that support gut, skin, and heart health, helping you start the new year off right. Visit seed.com Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Hard now. Right. So that's, that's something that I've had to learn as I've had to tap into that because early on, I would say some stupid shit like that. And rightfully so she would get very angry with me, but I wasn't in tune with that empathetic side. And that's where a lot of issues come in when we transition, especially out of the military, especially out of like special operations and being there for so long, I was in and out of the middle East for 10 years, just constantly in hostile environments. And you you can't really have empathy because if you treat the guys that you're surrounded by with softness, well, then all of a sudden they're going to maybe not try as hard and Mm -hmm. something happens and someone gets killed. Mm -hmm. So there's a high level of expectation for them to operate at a certain level. And we don't really have any type of leeway for it. We don't have any forgiveness, but that leads to a lack, a huge lack of empathy. So that's something that I've had to learn like massively and still work on, on a regular basis for sure. It's funny because, uh, and again, neither of us have, have ever been in those situations, but you can make assertions that empathy kills you on a battlefield, but in life without empathy, like in society without empathy, you've got nothing. Like mm-hmm. if you can't feel yeah. someone's emotions and you can't be with someone's emotions, uh, relatedness is out the window. Yeah. And if relatedness is out mm-hmm. the window, you don't have anything, mm-hmm. right? Speaking of which, so I'm going to jump out back into this in a second, but you had mentioned your wife. And yeah. one of the things that we talk about on this is the, I love you and you're annoying. Johnny is like, we don't want to step over so that. To talk shit. We don't want to step over that. So <laughs> let's introduce your, let's introduce your wife on the podcast by, by flinging shit at her real quickly. So we know you love your wife. We know the backstory is that she was a good friend of yours. You love her and she's annoying sometimes. So, so let's hear how she's so annoying. She is a fucking tornado in like the kitchen and everywhere she goes. I like I it. can literally follow everywhere she is because shit's just flung everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, and she, I have like this OCD of like needing things to be clean and nice when I come back to them later from the military. Right. Yeah. So like I'm sitting there and I'm, it, I'll get down there and I see like spinach leaves everywhere and greens powder because she's making her green smoothie and then like the tops of freaking strawberries chopped off on the counter and i'm like where is this lady and why is shit flung everywhere right now she knows she yeah oh my god so much and she knows she knows it and she gets better but it's definitely something that has 
has bothered me since day one. And that's, again, one of those things I had to learn to, for myself to be like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to absorb this and either do something about it or have a conversation. But that's something that constantly, constantly gets me with her. There's Absolutely. Nothing, there's nothing more infuriating <laughs> than coming downstairs being infuriated about something, whatever that something is, looking over to the right or to the left and seeing the person who caused it with their feet up in the air sipping on a smoothie. Yep. <laughs> oh, yep. Just just oh like, my God. What's going on, Johnny? Oh. That's all I'm picturing. Yeah. You losing oh, your mind. Hi, you losing how's it going? Mind. Hey, what's going on? I made you one. Protein shake. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, can you hand me the uh, pea protein? <laughs> You're best to make fun of me right now because I just had a list. Oh yeah, get that. Got <laughs> the list. You're just messing up the words. There are certain things that you have to get used to, right? And you like kind of understand that they're working on or whatever. I'm sure. That, I mean, we talk about every week or shit that I do that annoys you, but I just have to tell you. So we talk about this. I feel like all the time on the podcast, but. Ryan has a tendency to leave his socks like all over the house, which yeah. is, which is super <laughs> weird because Ryan doesn't like, he works from home. So a, why the fuck are you putting socks on? If you're not even leaving the house? Because society, because society says, okay, fit in this box when you're fine. going to work, put socks on. But you're not like, your legs aren't over your head. Why do you have socks on? You're not showing people. I don't understand. I put them on like 10 minutes later. It doesn't like, matter. I did a little a van sweep today where I just put, I put a whole bunch of garbage and like the garbage that went when I, when I went, you put the garbage in the garbage. That's a good place for the garbage. I took the garbage from the van and and took it out. And you know, what was included in that garbage, a pair of your goddamn socks. And I was like, well, these socks, I threw them out. I don't care. I think they were good socks, but I was honestly just very resentful. (laughs) I'm just gonna tell you right now. Anyway, I love that they're, you're. They're the I love pair you. that he bought for like forty bucks. For sure, they were. <laughs> they're my sure. running socks. No, they were like a nice. They're pair. my running. Yeah, my running socks. No, they were high ankle. Okay, so let's let's jump into the podcast. Let's jump into what we're talking. We're talking masculinity now. Um, masculine is a conversation that we've had before. It's a conversation we continuously have because there's a, a new understanding of masculinity on a regular basis. I always like asking the question first and foremost: What is your definition? Of masculinity. Yeah. Good question. Thanks, Brittany. You're welcome. Well, uh, You're annoying. <laughs> Thanks, Brittany. That's a great oh. question. Uh, <laughs> Very supportive. My my definition. Uh, let me take a second and back up to to predicate it because we first have to understand that masculinity, regardless of what the media wants to tell us, masculinity doesn't run cross culturally. It doesn't even run cross regionally in the United States right. uh, or North America in general. So masculinity, in and of itself, is completely subjective to its owner. And for me, masculinity means owning your authenticity and full confidence. That's really what uh, masculinity is about. So for us to think that masculinity fits in a box has really just been painted by uh, the media that's been painted by the social kind of climate that we've lived through since really like the mad men of the 50s when they started really doing marketing after World War II. But a lot of this stuff was conditioned through all of that. And so masculinity has never been actually... Um, consistent through men. It's Mm -hmm. been something that we've been conditioned from. And there's a lot of different theories behind it. But ultimately, it's all about owning our authenticity with full confidence. That's truly in my belief what it is. Because if I can't say that there's any key pieces that every man should have, well, then masculinity becomes incredibly subjective. Right. 
What do you mean by? Well, that there? ruined my that ruined my next question. <laughs> so on to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prepared one. Right, question. I prepared one question for like, this entire what podcast. Are your su- what are your thoughts on subs? No. Ryan, Ryan's like, who let this guy on the podcast? <laughs> Where am I supposed to go? I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, I love that. And that's why I asked the question because everybody does have their own definition yeah. of what masculinity is, but I really love and appreciate your definition of it because all, all it is ultimately is being intentional and being the best version of you possible. Mm-hmm. I think personally that most people have an idea conceptually that masculinity is about this energy force, dominance. this dominance, this power, um, this mm-hmm. <clears throat> control. And I feel like society's got it so backwards. There's a lot of things negative that we don't talk about now, language we don't use anymore that they used to use on a consistent basis. But I feel like that's what most people think masculinity is. It's about overpowering. It's about mm-hmm. being strong and dominant and controlling. And and so for, and, and that's, it, there isn't. And re, in reality, and this is part of why I wrote that statement that you really liked, Brittany, about, you know, something that was written for us, not by us, is because I keep my, you know, I developed my own masculine blueprint and I made the choice to actually take stock and evaluate what was given to me from the early years of my life mm-hmm. and how I was prescribed to be a man. And then I said, what do I want to keep? What do I want to throw out? And what do I want to bring in? And so I keep my masculine blueprint right here on right here on my computer because it reminds me every day of who I need to show up as in every situation. So number one, I'm authentic. And number two, I never leave an interaction with guilt, shame, or regret, because that's where a lot of men reside because they're not authentic and they're not consistent with who they truly want to be. They're not aligned. So Mm -hmm. because the fact that they don't go in and actually define who they are as a man or truly what they believe as a man, because they believe that this box is what they're supposed to be, right? They don't go in and truly define what they want. They're completely misaligned. And then they all of a sudden end up in depression. And that's Mm -hmm. why men's men end up resorting in a higher rate of suicide. These, These are all factors to it because of misalignment. We're not taught that we have the ability to choose the type of man we get to be. We're just taught we have these conditions. And if we don't meet them, we're not a man and other men are going to make fun of you. And that's it. And so at the end of the day, it is authenticity. Yeah, I struggle with this. And I think um, I think a lot of men struggle with this. But what I really struggled with was not identifying that I was struggling with this. Um, I didn't realize Mm. how much pressure I put on myself to be a version of myself that I thought I had to be to a point where it was actually killing me. And I realized through a lot of work, a lot of personal development, personal growth, I realized that if what I think what really triggered me was this, if I ever heard somebody talk to my spouse, the way that I talk to Mm -hmm. me, I'd kill them. The amount of Mm -hmm. rage that would be inside of me, if I ever heard a human being utter the words to my spouse that I utter to myself on a daily basis. And I realized when I realized that I realized how could I possibly be the best version of me? If that's the conversation I'm having with myself on a daily basis, like my inner self Mm -hmm. is listening to this dialogue and believing in this bullshit. It was literally killing me. And I said to, to Brit, this wasn't long ago. This was about a year and a half ago. I said, Britt, we've got all of the boxes checked. 
We've got all of the things that society says I need to have. I've got beautiful children. I've got a beautiful wife. We have a beautiful house. We have a beautiful life. And I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. You, wasn't, you weren't fulfilled. Mm. I was miserable. Yeah. And yeah. I, I realized it's just literally because of the pressure I put on myself to be this other version of me that I didn't make up. It's, it's really, it's amazing that we don't uh, understand the damage psychologically that, you know, these prescriptions society have given us really take a toll as we get to be real, like as we get into adulthood. And a lot of people don't understand that when we talk about what was written for us, you have to remember that when you're from two to eight years old, your brain waves are in what's called theta. When you're in theta, you're completely malleable. This is where hypnosis works. And this is why we take on masculinity at such a young age. So we jump into that. We have this foundation created for us that you you and many other men, myself included, we were all living by this and then some conscious choices after about eight years old. But we're living by that and we never actually are taught to sit down, look back at it and say, dude, I, I don't even know if that really makes sense for me to be that way. I don't even really feel good if I act that way or say those kinds of things. I don't really align with that. We're not taught that. And this is where we dive into all these negativities. And this is also based on, you know, a lot of people aren't looking at the social studies of masculinity. One was done by Raywin Connell. She's the preeminent researcher for this. And she started about in the seventies. That's how recent masculinity Mm -hmm. has been started to be studied. It's insane. And sociologically, we look at this and a lot of what's written from us or by, or for us is done from TV, from movies, from marketing. It's not actually done by people. Yeah, it's not done by people living in real life. Okay. And that's the problem that we're seeing. Everybody wants to sit there and be Clint Eastwood and John Wayne and mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you're like, bro, that's not real life. And if you keep trying to live up to that, you're going to have a lot of heartbreak. You're going to have a lot of struggle and you're going to have a lot of sadness and depression. And that's what we're seeing with guys now. They're lost because Mm -hmm. they're realizing what you just did. I think people, I think men too are really struggling with like how to, how to assert yourself, like say you're dating or even like in a marriage, how to assert yourself in your own masculinity and and in your own confidence with your partner while maintaining mm-hmm. respect. Like, I think that's a really hard balance sometimes when you want to have this like confidence and this masculinity, because you hear about like, Oh, that old saying, like, I want a real man. I want him to take control, but there's a really fine line of control and consent and respect. Do you have any words mm-hmm. around that? Yeah, I, I, it's for me, it's learning that balance that you have to play in the masculine and feminine and what mm-hmm. men, something that I struggled with. And again, this is something that probably, uh, well, I can tell you annoys my wife, uh, especially early on is I would not hold space. And sometimes the best thing that we can do as men is hold space. But sometimes the hardest thing we can do as men is hold space. Cause we are solution based. Right. We want to fix it. And you guys don't want that. So, <laughs> so it's, it's about us balancing that. We have to learn to balance that. And we have to accept it doesn't make us any less of a man to balance it. It actually makes us more attractive. And so when we start to realize that more men are going to want to do that, but we're scared of tapping into that femininity because we're like, that's not what real men do. Real men don't do that. We fix problems. We, we don't, we don't so, we sit and hold hearts. space. We attack it. We get mm-hmm. over it. Yeah. 
but that's what we do. And that's what, that's what we're, we're been conditioned to desire to do. But at the end of the day, we have to balance that masculine and feminine for our relationships. If we want healthy, good relationships, we have to balance that for ourselves and for our partner. I love that whole space. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, I always talk shit about you for that. Cause and we've gotten so much better, but Ryan, Ryan's your first reaction. Anytime I, anytime I, I do, I call him Ray Donovan cause he's a fixer. He just wants to fix shit. Yeah. And now I have to like, um, predicate the conversation with like, I don't want this to be fixed. I just want yep. to vent. I want you to hold space for my conversation where I'm about to talk hella shit about whatever is happening in my life. <laughs> and I just need that. I just need you to hold it. Right. Like I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to be like, listen, here is a plasticized blueprint of how we are going to approach the, like the solution to this. Right. Like, and you're amazing because mm-hmm. it's yeah. the communication. I right? think the big, I think the big t- takeaway for that is that, you know, we are as a society, we are changing. It is not uncommon for the woman in a relationship or the, the feminine in the relationship, like everything's right. not a heterosexual. So the feminine role um, or the feminine energy, yeah. it's not uncommon for that energy to also be the breadwinner. Right. Let's right? talk about that. And, mm-hmm. and back in the day, yeah. it was a heck of a lot easier to be the man because you were the one that brought home the bacon. My wife's a great example of this. She's a boss. She has created her business and uh, has a million dollar business that she created from scratch. Put that all together. I mean, she crushes my income. I look like a little infant compared to her, but I've never, <laughs> I've never been uh, somebody, part of my masculine blueprint has never been around money. And this is why I say all men really need to look. Money's never made me feel emasculated when, whether right. I was sitting next to a dude or whether my wife was making more money than me. It just, it mm-hmm. just hasn't been part of my blueprint. And I've been fortunate in that because not, not all, not most men are not like that. Mm-hmm. Most men are very tight in the money and it, that makes it really hard for that role reversal to take place. But in that role revo- reversal, when that happens, that's when guys really need to assess, why am I even feeling this way? What about it is making me feel like I'm not a man? And why am I feeling that way? Because yeah. at the end of the day, that story, when you go back and you try to retrace that story, you're going to find out that it was pretty much written when you were a boy and you saw it somewhere along the line that a man wasn't supposed to make less than his wife. The man was supposed to take home all this stuff. The man, that's where man, men's power is, is in money. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at that, we're going to find out, oh, I didn't even write that story. I didn't, I made this shit up. And I'm actually mad at her or I'm ruining my relationship because of the fact that I had somebody else give me a prescription that I don't even really give a shit about. Right. And so when we look at those role reversals, we have to understand why, why are we even thinking that way? Cause it shouldn't emasculate us. Why does it even matter? Like what sex makes money? Who cares? Right. right. Like, and ultimately like who cares? But we have this stigma around it. The men have this stigma around who's making money in the household and how income's coming in. You talk about it. You get, you have a communicative relationship. Make sure you talk about it, but you have to explore yourself first. You can't just go externalize that. Yeah. You know, we brought it up in the very first thing you <laughs> you wrote in, the, in in this was creating the best version of you defined by you, written by you and nothing else. And I think the big, the big thing for me inside that is what's usually missing in the word masculinity is happiness. Mm. Mm. Nobody really gives a shit if you're happy or not. And I think if you build your, 
you know, what your blueprint, if you built your blueprint on what is the best version of me that makes me happy, you will be mm-hmm. the best version of you. And I'm not saying like, let's live in this like utopian world where you can just not give a shit about anything. And I'm happy when I'm when I'm watching football. And I get it. But you also have to be a you know contributing member of society. <laughs> But yeah. at the same token, I think if we focus more on, on internal and external happiness, that is when your blueprint of masculinity will come out and will define itself, really. It's also, uh, it's also understanding that trauma is trauma is trauma. Most of us men don't want to th- like, I, I didn't have a rough upbringing, right? Like I, I was blue collar family. One of the biggest things that happened to me is I, you know, was messing around with some kids and we were all on rollerblades playing hockey. And then I fell down and they beat the crap out of me with hockey sticks, right? Like when I was a kid, I didn't really have a rough upbringing as far as like having a bad life, but trauma is trauma is trauma. So if your upbringing had a paper cut and that was the worst thing you went through, your brain registers it as trauma. Your brain registers it as something that's impacting you. And so the, the hardest thing for us men is to go into the shadows and depths of our own selves. Like right. we don't, we refuse to do it because we're terrified of that. We can't run from it because we have to actually face emotions that we have. We have to face pent up anger or rage or whatever it is, something that caused that in us, but we don't want to turn and do that. And so what causes a lot of this misalignment and prevention from being the happiest version of ourselves or being our most authentic version is we're not willing to go inside first and fight the darkness mm-hmm. and women do a much better uh, job of this because they're more in tune with their emotions. So they allow themselves to acknowledge it and they let it out physically. Men, we don't do any of that. We don't go internal and we don't let it out physically. And that becomes a big issue for us internalizing a lot of the issues that we have and not seeking to be our authentic, happiest selves. It blocks us from creating that blueprint that, you know, you're talking about would come out of us, but we have to go in first and say, whoa, what's all in here? And what do I need to pull out? Because I have to acknowledge it. I can't keep shoving it down. Right. Yeah, and forgive yourself for it. Right. That's what it really comes down to. Absolutely. You, you've made it, you've made it mean something. Mm-hmm. You've got to make it unmean something before you can move on from it and get it clean, like clean, clean it right up. My question, Mm -hmm. I think, kind of flows with this nicely, but essentially, like, I think everybody knows that sayings like, oh, be a man or you throw like a girl, like people don't really say those things anymore. They're um, super sexist and like people are very like much more open, I would say, with gender roles and assumptions. But do you think they're coming from your experience, especially like straight out of the army where you maybe were a shell of yourself and you said you didn't have, uh, like your, you said your marriage failed and then you went to, and you had an amazing communication and like, now you're very happy in a new marriage. But do you think there is, there are things that were said or could be said from a female perspective to a male or even a feminine, it doesn't have to necessarily be a female, but a feminine perspective that would really be emasculating. Like, I think we all know not to say things like, Oh, we were just talking about this. Like, I just want you to be a man. That is like, that's a blow, right? You don't say that shit anymore, but do you think there are maybe more subconscious small things that maybe women might say to their husbands and not even realize how emasculating they could be? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that, I think we would throw out a lot of vocabulary that we won't even realize is emasculating. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great question. Um, I have to, I would, I honestly, like what first comes to mind is if a woman's like, I just need you to take control. 
right? Mm. Like, okay, so you don't want me to take control and you want me to respect you, but then you're telling me you just want me to take control. So it's like, where's the real conversation need to happen there? Because that becomes emasculating and it's, and it's just at face value. Like there has to be a deeper conversation of what you mean by taking control Mm -hmm. and then where that consent is paired with control. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we look at kind of that could be very emasculating to its, its face value for a guy, and especially for a guy who might be more um, like, a, I guess, like adept and inept. I don't know. I can't, I'm trying to think of the word here. A guy that's not really focused on being this uber masculine dude, somebody mm-hmm. that may be a little more effeminate. I'm trying not to use the word beta, but I think that's right. kind of like where it's going is what people would refer to as like a beta. If he's not a controlling kind of guy. He's not in that alpha program. Well, he's never going to be a dude that's going to present any type of control. So for a woman to say that to him is super emasculating. And then for a woman to say that to a guy who's an alpha, he's going to be like, Oh, you want me to fucking take control? And then he's going to go over the top because he got emasculated. So yeah, that's interesting. I think that's one of the things I can think of. I think it's situational too. Like maybe you're also your language, right? Like, listen, like if we had a, I think you know your spouse well enough to be like, I'm uncomfortable with X situation. And I really like when Ryan, like when we're, whenever we're dealing with like the trades or whatever, Ryan's really good. He is charming. He's a salesperson. I, I love talking, but also sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable if I'm dealing with a man, I feel like maybe he doesn't take me seriously or he, whatever. He mansplains to you. He does. He mansplains where I'm like, can you yeah. just fucking talk to him? Cause I don't want to deal with this. Or I'm like, can you just take control? But maybe, but I know mm-hmm. that that's also where he thrives. And I would never yeah. maybe say that to him where I know that he would feel uncomfortable. So I think it's probably just, it comes down to communication too. Yeah. And I find that, I sure. find that in um, context. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I find that when you're in the, when you're in the feminine and you're in the masculine and there's, and there's two parties and one is clearly in the feminine, one is clearly in the masculine. When the feminine pushes the masculine to be more masculine it, it's not a positive experience for anybody i i remember no. my mom's the sweetest human being on the planet she once told me and, I, and it's it's stuck with me for the rest of my life she said ryan women don't want gatherers they want hunters do not be a gatherer be a hunter if you want to get married and you want to be happy you need to find a way to be a hunter because no woman's attracted to a gatherer. And I had it immediately that that meant money. And for me, from mm. that day forward, I said, I'm up. going to make a ton of money so that no woman ever sees me as this meek, mild, pathetic gatherer. Mm-hmm. And that's horseshit. Yep. We get masculine from multiple different sources and a, and a huge source for us. You talk about at the younger age before eight, a huge source of the masculinity is our fathers, mm-hmm. but so much, so much of the masculinity is, is actually comes from the feminine side that defines who we are as men to them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of the big takeaways for me on this podcast and which is what Brittany was kind of alluding to is, is, if you're in the feminine role, what can you do to support a strong masculine human? doesn't have to be boy. It doesn't really matter in today's world, but when you've got a masculine role, how do you support that? How do you, how do you create a culture where they get to define that? 
Oh, uh, well, I mean, again, that number one, that's, that's, um, supporting their authenticity. So whatever that means to them, as far as their expression of masculinity, right? Like it's making sure that you're helping cultivate that and support that, uh, as long as it's in, again, like this is all contextual because when we think about, okay, if it's negative, you don't want to support something that's negative. It's got to be in that positive light. That's improving, you know, other people and society. So when we're talking about how, how do you continue to influence that? strong, you know, positive masculine, it's, it's making sure that you're giving them support during those times when they're in that masculine role. And in relationships, I have some techniques for it. One of the things I like to call is like psychological operations that I tell women to do on their men. But basically like for when they're in that masculine role and they're doing things that you really like, be like, babe, that was like super sexy when you did that. Like that was hot. Like every guy likes to hear that shit because mm-hmm. every guy likes to be loved, but it's using that language that's like showing love and attraction mm-hmm. because we also want to feel like our our spouse or our partner is attracted to us. Absolutely. And so when you say those key terms, right? So when you say those key terms, like, wow, that was like super hot. Like right? Like every guy's taking that, like, I'll put that feather in my cap. Cool. You know, but using that kind of language when, when guys are, are, you know, performing their masculine role in a way that, you know, you support, it's a great way to influence that type of action again, because like I said, at the root of all of it, us men, we want to be loved and we want to feel like we're attractive. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. That one hit home. Um, did, you, did, you, did you hear that? Yeah, Ladies, did you hear that? <laughs> Call me Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. We have feelings. Yeah, we yeah. want to be loved. We want to be attracted. We're in the bedroom like, keep going, Ryan Reynolds. You're like, I'm going to pull fuck? Van Wilder out tonight. <laughs> That's right. Uh, honey, thank you so much for talking with us. This was you, incredible. It was so good. I feel like we had talked about this forever. Um, but can you give our listeners just, uh, some heads up on your socials if they want to get more information from you? Absolutely. I first want to acknowledge you guys and just say, thank you for having me on the show and thank you for putting this show together. Uh, you know, before coming on, I had the opportunity to listen to a few of the podcasts and you guys just do a great job and I love Mm -hmm. the conversations that you have. So thank you for sharing this out to the world, helping couples, helping parents. Like it's amazing. So thank you guys for having me on here and allowing me to be part of this community. Um, for me, you guys, yeah, you guys can find me at, uh, Johnny.lsasser on, uh, Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. Um, the art of masculinity, it's on all, uh, all platforms. So if you plug it in there, you should be able to find the art of masculinity. Um, and then give me, go check it out. And if you like it, give some reviews on Apple. Five if you stars, don't like yes. it, don't give Five reviews. Stars. Reviews, <laughs> follows, all the good things. I love it. Johnny, incredible, incredible podcast. I'd love to have you on. I think this is a topic that doesn't get discussed enough. And and we've got a cool platform that a lot of husbands and wives listen to this podcast. And I can guarantee you there's probably about four or five golden nuggets, as I say, that is going to be taken home. That's going to be a conversation after people are done listening to this. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, have a good night. Have a good night. I'm so I-